Hi everyone, welcome to this latest edition of the Guardians of the Flame podcast. Uh, this was an amazing privilege for me to interview Bruce Coburn. He's, uh, I'd say, one of the most important singer-songwriters in the world today. Uh, he's, his first album was released in 1970. He's still making music to this day. Um, he's uh, an amazing singer-songwriter who has always captured um, the, the reality of the world we live in. Um, he writes about faith, he writes about justice, um, he writes about love and loss and all the gamut, the, the range of human emotion and, and human experience. Uh, so many of you watching this will have heard of Bruce Coburn. Some of you, if you haven't, um, I encourage you to go find his music. He's brilliant and we really appreciated his generosity in letting us film this. Um, just to say, it was done very lo-fi, not to our usual standards. Um, but the content's really good. Uh, in the middle of it, the Wi-Fi was dropped and so he moved to a different house. So if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, you'll see him in a very different setting for the, for the second half of the interview. Um, and just want to say we continue to really value your support on Patreon. Find Guardians of the Flame on Patreon. We really are looking for more and more people who stand alongside us uh, to support our work, to produce quality podcasts and documentaries. Um, that really speak about reconciliation in a world uh, of conflict. Um, so support us, come alongside us, and we're looking forward to recording a new season of podcasts soon. So I uh, hope you enjoy this interview with the brilliant, great Bruce Coburn. So I uh, want to welcome uh, Everyone, if you're watching this, uh, to this Guardians of the Flame episode of our podcast series. And it's a real privilege today to be uh, interviewing a, uh, a bit of a personal hero of mine, uh, Bruce Coburn. Uh, many of you watching will have heard his music. Um, some of you may not have. If you haven't, I encourage you to check him out. Uh, his, he has, let me see, is it 34 albums? Something like that, into the 30s. Something like that. Uh, since 1970, uh, Bruce wrote a, a kind of an autobiography a couple of years ago, Rumors of Glory, and encourage you to check that out as well. Um, and so Bruce Coburn is so, uh, I'm so thankful for you giving us the time. Uh, and on a San Francisco morning where the sun is going down here in Northern Ireland, but it's, it's uh, I guess it's come up for you. Uh, thanks for yeah. giving us your time. Well, thanks for having me. It's, it's uh, nice to be able to spend the time with you. Yeah. Um, I wonder maybe just to start with the, the very, the very, um, the most recent activity you've been doing online, which was a concert you did an online concert last week, uh, um, with four new songs. Um, can you just kind of, uh, tell us a little bit about the, those songs and, um, you know, how did they get written and are you planning another album anytime soon or, <laughs> okay, that's a whole lot of questions. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, just to clarify, uh, just to clarify, it's not an album. It's a demo. It's it's just a video demo of the four new songs that I had at the time. There's another new one since we made that uh, recording, but but uh, I I gave it to Lighthouse to put out because as a fundraiser because it seemed like a good idea, but. Uh, uh my own from from a selfish point of view i just wanted to get the songs out there because i think they're kind of timely or at least a couple of them are um and uh i wanted that i wanted my voice to be heard saying mm -hmm. the things those songs say at this time uh and we're not ready to make a new album at this point uh i my general pattern has been to wait till i have enough songs and then go in the studio and do it some people don't operate that way. They'll do a song at a time, whatever. But I find I prefer to to do everything at, at once to kind of have a give give a, the album a sense of unity from song to song and sound, you know, the overall sound and personnel and so on. So um, so we're not ready for that yet. Uh, I need more songs, but I wanted to get these things out as I said because uh, th a couple of them. Um, song called orders and the song called us all in particular uh talk about um the need to the need to love the instruction to love or orders basically the the refrain of that is there uh 
as I recall, our order said to love them all. Mm-hmm. And basically that's, that's the biblical, of course, um, take on things. And uh, it's a take on things that a lot of people who consider themselves uh, believers in the Bible are, are, are to be led by those teachings that forget frequently that song out in particular to remind people to and myself as much as anybody i mean it's when 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 one writes a song when i write a song at least i'm i'm talking to myself as much as anyone else i often find out things about my own psyche from the, the writing process um the other song that, that seemed pertinent is is us all and and that's basically a um just a plea to recognize the things that we have in common the scars that unite us. Uh, it's really, that's uh, we, there are so many things that we can look at that to, to separate ourselves from others. But one thing we all have in common is pain, <laughs> and and uh, um, it's that that's an area where we can find find unity. Oh, look, you've been damaged this way, and mm-hmm. me too. Or, I mean. You can take it anywhere you want, but but that's the the notion behind the song. Yeah, no, those um, actually, I really enjoyed all four of them, but those songs, those two in particular, really stood out. And I suppose, especially with the theme of what we try and cover in these podcasts, which are kind of looking at voices of reconciliation and peace uh, in a time of kind of heightened populism. Um, yeah. And what is it from your vantage point on the West coast of America? I mean, it might be stating the obvious, you know, at the end of the Trump administration, but what is it that you feel makes those songs in particular so pertinent? Um, I have noticed, I mean, uh, the United States is a, an interesting and peculiar place. Uh, and it has its, I mean, every country has its unique history, but but uh, the U.S. is, is and Canada too, uh, to an extent. But but it's more noticeable uh, south of the border that uh, th- that history that's only from the point of view of people of European extraction, at least, the history is only that deep. Um, and it, I think, the country. Uh, the culture is still trying to figure out who it is, how to be a, its, its own culture. I think in European countries that th- those discussions were settled a long time ago, although, you know, things don't really disappear. But, but, uh, um, but the, you know, in, in America, it's, it's like people are still trying to figure it out. And who, who are we? What are we supposed to be doing in the world? And, and uh, that... Um, the various disputes uh, on, or, the, or rather the dispute, the, the multiple sides of that, what, what turns out to be a dispute over who America should be, were really uh, forced apart by the Trump policies uh, and, and a general encouragement during that period to, uh, to hate each other <laughs> in effect. Mm. Uh, and, and it was, and it, that encouragement took root. It, I mean, it, it it worked quite well. So it became, uh, you know, you start hearing the word Democrat as a cuss word almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and for me, Republican, I mean, I, I, I don't subscribe to either party. I don't, I'm not, uh, I'm not apolitical by any means, but I'm also not a citizen. I don't get to vote here. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I have a, a, you know, slightly distanced view of all these things. Um, there are good arguments to be made uh, on all sides of all the issues, but we don't mostly hear the good arguments. We mostly hear rhetoric, uh, uh, like cheap kind of rabble-rousing stuff and, and, uh, or kind of thoughtless knee-jerk stuff. And so uh, I, I'm actually kind of worried about the, the, the short-term future of the country. Long term, I'm worried about the future of the world, <laughs> but or at least the future of humanity in the world. Mm-hmm. The planet will mm-hmm. still be here, but um, but short term, uh, it's it's worrisome to see the fractiousness that's been um, 
been fed so well over the last few years. Yeah. Um, there was uh, something I read uh, in your book. Uh, I was just kind of going back over it before this uh, interview. And I thought it, it, you said something that I actually kind of always picked up on by listening to your music um, is that you, they kind of were, you kind of described your music as separated into, de into decades and the seventies being more introspective and I suppose maybe more about nature and kind of um, Lord of the Starfields or, you know, going to the country and then the eighties more externally focused um, and you described it in your book, I, I could look up the quote, but it, as kind of more, you felt like you were obeying your orders, if you'd like, you were kind of looking outwards to the world, but that ironically, as you were kind of doing what your Christian faith kind of was calling you to do, it actually led you away from more mainstream Christianity. Can yeah. I know we're going back in time, but almost that story sounds, that story sounds very similar to what many people are going through today. Um, there's a, there are many people leaving traditional religious kind of churches, but they probably aren't leaving a desire for justice. In fact, they're probably more awakened by justice or environmental rights than ever before. I don't know if you yeah, want I to kind that, of touch on what the, that is. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, for me, it, it was a very personal thing. I, I grew up... Uh, with a kind of inward directed view uh, and that persisted into my you know early adulthood um, but and and I I think you hear it in the songs as, as you said I, I, you can you listen to the songs from the 70s I mean this was not intentional that it broke down into decades like that it's circumstantial quote unquote but um, I mean it wasn't a plan of mine but um, but the 70s were characterized by a lot of time spent in nature, and um, that's reflected in the songs, and a lot of sort of inward spiritual, uh, I can't call it searching exactly, it wasn't that deliberate, but um, a, a developing inward awareness, I guess I could say. But it became evident, uh, partly from external circumstances, getting divorced, a bunch of other sort of major changes in my, my life, um, at the end of the 70s, uh, I, I, I began to understand, okay, well, you've got this far in your relationship with God. Um, to go further, you need to, you, you need to find out who your neighbor is in order to love your neighbor properly. Uh, so it, it was, I was moved toward uh, a more social setting, an urban setting. In this case, it was Toronto. Um, and I had lived in Toronto for short periods before and, and knew the city fairly well, but I'd never embraced it. And it was time to embrace it. And, um, and I did. I had a lot of fun and some things that were not so much fun happened. And, and um, what I didn't find in there was a church that I could embrace or that felt like it would embrace me. Uh, I had had that in Ottawa where I grew up and where I had lived most of the time previous to that. But, um, but I never found that in Toronto. So I, I, you know, I gradually drifted away from thinking of myself as a churchgoer. And eventually through a lot of reading and other things and from, from, and, and also the politics, particularly in the States, from thinking of myself as a Christian, because Christianity was being more and more associated with what we see now as the, um, in what we're calling the evangelical community. I'm not sure that's quite a fair name, but that's what the journalists are calling it, um, that that there's this association of uh, of Christian faith with a whole lot of political positions that uh, that I don't subscribe to, that's for sure. And a lot of people don't. And it, I remember having a conversation, I, this might have been in the book too, I, I don't remember, but uh, with T-Bone Burnett at, in the early 90s when we were working on an album together. And T-Bone said, you know, it might be time for us Christians to stop calling ourselves Christians because the people that are calling themselves Christians are doing these horrible things, they're promoting these things we don't, <clears throat> excuse me, we don't uh, subscribe to at all. And so 
you know, maybe we should just find something else to call ourselves. Or, or in my case, it just sort of felt unnecessary to call myself anything. Uh, I've always been interested in a relationship with God, and uh, that has not abated at all. Uh, and I'm back to calling myself a Christian again in in this decade, mm-hmm. um, thanks to uh, kind of thanks to being led to a church that did embrace me mm-hmm. from the moment I walked in, and uh, um, I you know it's been a, it's been decades since I thought of myself as a churchgoer, but there there I was, and um, so you know I I I still have issues. With some of it, so with some some of the things that I read in the Bible, and I have issues with some of the things that my fellow Christians, uh, some of the positions that, that they take, but uh, I think that the the necessary spirit to uh, approach things with is one of uh, a willingness to disagree and share and to communicate. Uh, without judgment, without without recoiling in horror from oh no I can't do that, you know, or from suggestions that uh, I mean obviously some of these issues are very um, sensitive ones for people. Abortion, for example, mm-hmm. uh, and I mean I've I've an acquaintance who's a gynecologist um, kind of in in Oregon, and she. Uh, she can't say the word abortion in the community she lives in because someone will shoot her. I mean, it's almost a given. And there are pockets in the country like that, some of them quite large pockets. Other places, you know, nobody thinks twice about it. Mm. Uh, or at least the people I meet don't think twice about it. But, um, I mean, this is an example of, of the kind of divisions that exist and the bridge, uh, the, the gaps that need bridging, mm. you know, no matter what you think about the issues themselves, I mean, the, the important thing is that is, is to uh, to hold an, an attitude of mutual respect and uh, and and of love if you can make it. Mm. It's a little sometimes a tall order, but that's yeah. that's the ideal. Mm. Um, yeah, the uh, I've heard it said it's not maybe it's it's not so much about what we believe, but how we believe those beliefs um uh you know how we hold beliefs you know do we hold them as fundamentals that kind of divide or are we open to others in different ways um it kind of reminds me of a, a lyric uh, of yours um which just came to me earlier um i can't i can't remember what song it is a uh, big round planet in the big universe sometimes it looks blessed sometimes it looks cursed depends what you look at, obviously, even more, it depends on the way that you see, you know, so the way that we see, the way that we kind of exhibit our life, uh, maybe it's more than just the actual what's. I, I think so. I, and I think that without some, uh, some kind of interior work, um, we'll grow up with a set of attitudes that we were handed and a, and a, a, a kind of a, a set a, a set of kind of inherited triggers for various feelings and various ways of expressing those feelings that that uh, needs examining because very often those things we assume that this is just how we are and how the world is, but it isn't that way often. It, it's very often uh, that we're acting out of a very subjective view. We find. Other people doing the same thing, motivated by their uh, inherited rage or or their inherited fear or their just the inherited or inculcated uh, sense of how things ought to be that are that has nothing. I mean, they may be couched in terms of religious faith, but often is, but it has nothing to do with the essence of the faith. It's just how people have socialized themselves for for a long time, and. Uh, we got to get past that. You got to, you got to, if you want to, one, if you want a relationship with God, you've got to get past that because although God is open and forgiving and we're all embracing uh, and, we'll, and we'll take anybody in any condition, I think, uh, 
if you want to know what that relationship is, if you want to be an active participant in that relationship, then you have to do the same thing you would in any other relationship. You've got to pursue it. You've got to show up. You've got to uh, you've got to be aware of the effects of your uh, uh, those unthought impulses that that you were trained to have as a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I. I in this, it's a doubt. I doubt that society will ever get to a point where everybody's doing that. Uh, and every, but but I think so. Most of we all we have to try. If you know that, you have to try. And um, it in there somewhere is included the ability to uh, to to accept that others have either have not gone through that process. And should, or well, not for me to say what should happen, but uh, but I feel like that. But the uh, you got to be charitable to people because mm. you don't know what they grew up mm. with. You don't know, mm. and and I mean, it gets very dangerous when people assume that they agree and form a kind of tribe with mm. a religious banner floating over it. You know, and mm. like that's. That's a that has happened a lot in the U.S. That's what what we're calling the evangelical community kind of has done in their support of Trump and their willingness to go along with uh, with his promotion of divisiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, that that uh, you know there. I mean, a, a cliche to sort of cite about this, and it, and it only has the value that any cliche does. I mean, it's is is that. The same people who are promoting uh, the banning of abortion are are promoting the use of capital punishment. You know, mm. well, what's that? Mm. Because you save them at one end and kill them at the other end. Mm. Like, mm. like that's BS. You know, I mean, it's it's mm. it's unthought uh, acting out. And they all, if you get enough people that are all unthought and acting out in the same room, mel- rubbing elbows together, then then uh, it becomes a social force, and 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 that's the problem that we currently have, mm. or a part of the problem. Yeah. Um, kind of going back in time again, uh, we're talking about our current day polarization, I suppose. Um, and I'm speaking mm-hmm. to you right from the, the Irish border, uh, where about three days ago, it was a hundred years since Ireland was partitioned for the first time. So um, I'm speaking from Russ Trevor. Um, we look out of a Carlingford lock on uh, the Irish Republic. Um, and so kind of conflict is very much something I grew up with once I moved here as a kid from New Zealand. Um, and a lot of your songs over the years have dealt with conflict, not so much well, more recent times, we have the modern day polarization in, uh, in America. But in, in the 80s, you talked a lot about Central America, especially. Um, and of course, one of your, I suppose, one of your most well-known songs was If I Had a Rocket Launcher. Um, I remember driving in the car uh, a couple of years ago with a, an American pastor. He's a great guy. He's a big fan of yours, Brian Zond. He's um, pastor of a church in Missouri. And uh he said, if I had a rocket launcher is an imprecatory psalm. And uh, he was referring to these psalms of the Bible, which are kind of where the psalmist, you know, wants God to rain down judgment on his enemies. But of course, they're not meant to be read as the, the will of God as such. They're meant to, you know, be a, a human expression of, of, of him at that particular moment. Um, I thought that was an interesting comment. I, I wonder, just because that's a well-known song, um, and I don't know if I'm going to get to interview you ever again. I'd love to hear just some reflections on that song and Guatemala. And obviously, you know, what was your thought process in the writing of it? Yeah, but by all means. Uh, um, yeah, I think I would, actually it's, it's nice to hear it described in those terms because uh, a lot of people didn't hear it that way. But uh, the one thing that it was certainly not intended to, to be was an incitement to Mm-hmm. Uh, anyone to go and shoot Guatemalan soldiers. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that, uh, uh, even though some of them had it coming, <laughs> um, it, it was, it was not about that. I mean, and oddly, 
and I think this is partly just a kind of cultural thing. The, the, the refugees, the Guatemalan refugees, among whom I had spent a few days uh, in, in a couple of informal camps in the, uh, in the very south of Mexico, near the, near the border with Guatemala, were telling these terrible stories of the things they had fled from. Uh, truly disgusting stuff. And, and uh, there was a, this uh, mixture of pathos and, and outrage uh, that went with those stories. But the people themselves told them in a very flat, kind of unemotional way. It was like, yeah, well, this happened. And this happened. And the things they're describing are things you're going like, like they're stuff that the most perverted slasher movie can, can barely keep up with. And uh, it, it, so, you know, there I'm sitting listening to this stuff and I just, I f felt the rage bubbling up in me on their behalf, which is something that I, that, that there was a lesson in there too that's kind of not mentioned in the song. But I, but I, I, and after I left those camps, uh, I was sitting in this little Mexican town in a hotel, and uh, I just I started. I was so kind of traumatized myself by just hearing about these things. Never mind having lived through them, and and being very aware of the uh, the likelihood that those things were continuing and and that they might continue to be inflicted on the same people because even though they're in Mexico, the Guatemalan army was staging raids into the camps um, looking for whoever they thought was, uh, you know, a supporter of the, of the rebel cause in Guatemala, the, in the civil war that was going on at the time. So, uh, you know, there I am sitting there and, and I started writing down how I felt uh, hearing the helicopter, Guatemala helicopter patrolling the border while hearing these stories. And the border was only a few hundred meters away. Uh, yeah, I wanted to shoot that thing down. I thought the people who were perpetrating these things had no claim to life or humanity. Mm. And uh, that, I mean, I don't believe that, but that's how I felt. Mm. And uh, and I wrote the song and, and then after... I wrote it. I thought I can, I can never sing this for anyone. I mean, this is, mm. you know, I can't sing a song like this, but I did sing it for somebody and they raved over it and it got all, they got all excited and, and, you know, then we, whatever, one thing led to another, but, but I, I, what I wanted when we did, when I did decide, okay, I'm going to put this out. I put it out because I wanted people, my peers to understand how easy it is to feel like that and to, to that they should not uh, sit in judgment over people who chose to take up arms because they felt like they had no other choice. And that's what the situation in Guatemala was. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, you can argue with whether that was the best response to what was going on or not. Mm. Uh, and then there, you could have, you know, lots of things to say about that, but, but um people who sit around watching their children die because they're because medical treatment is withheld from them by the system not by anybody like deciding okay you can't have a doctor but just just the way that the whole uh, social system was set up and then when they object to that they're killed often mm -hmm. in horrendous ways and uh, so after a while, you know, you have a generation or two like that. And finally, somebody says, screw this. I'm, I'm going to mm -hmm. shoot somebody. And they get a gun and they, then they start an army. And then you have a, a civil war. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's, a, it's a terrible outcome, a terrible process. Everything about it is terrible. Uh, surely some, there could have been some intervention beforehand that, that promoted, that allowed this, the the people in control of the country to think more progressively or think more charitably about the people that, that you know, mm -hmm. that they regarded as, as uh, second-class citizens. Um, it just, uh, it, you know, it sort of staggers the imagination, but it, the stories, uh, some of the aspects, some of the stories were unique to my experience of that place, but, 
but uh, some a lot of the stuff that the people were describing was stuff that you you heard the same stories from Rwanda, you heard the same stories from from uh, Cambodia. You heard uh, there's um, th- that kind of evil kind of lacks imagination it's, just, mm. it's like mm. oh yeah well, let's just herd all the people into the church and set it on fire mm. that'll work you know mm. and this this kind of activity is replicated over all over the world uh and so okay so it isn't just about guatemala it's about people it's about human behavior you can find it in the bible mm. in the old testament uh it's the old testament is full of Terrible stories like mm. like that. Mm. We we I, we went into the town and we massacred all the men and we took the women for ourselves. Mm. Whoopee! God mm. made it. God allowed it. Let us do this and gave us strong backup. You know, mm. uh, he's you know we're like God's SWAT team. Or I mean, this these terrible things done in the name of their faith, mm. uh, which really are not about the faith at all. They're they're about power, about uh, insecurity, about you know, all sorts of, uh, of kind of the toxic aspects of, of the human mm. psyche. Mm. Uh, so, you know, I, the song was just really an attempt to expose some of that to people who were maybe prone to sitting around thinking, oh, geez, you know, they shouldn't be doing that. Mm. Well, what would you do, you know, in a situation like that? I had no intention of shooting anyone and nor do mm. I now, mm. you know, uh, I mean, long after that, I kind of learned how to do it, but, <laughs> but it, and there's, it doesn't take much skill really to mm. it just, just takes the, the will and the equipment, but, but uh, um, in any case, uh, that, mm. that, that's kind of the background of the song. And, and mm. uh, I remember, I think I've said this in the book. I just remember sitting in this hotel room and crying and drinking half a bottle of whiskey and, and writing, starting to write the song. I didn't finish until I got back to Toronto, but, but uh, it, it was, it took shape in that hotel room in Mexico when the, when the feelings were extremely raw and fresh. Mm. Yeah. That was, um, I think it was one of the first of your songs I ever heard. Um, I had heard of you in the late eighties and then in, the mid nineties, I was at university in Belfast and a friend of mine gave me a mixtape of your songs and including an acoustic version of that song. And I've mm. never heard anything like it. And, uh, and then afterwards, that was a friend of mine, Dave Hines. He, he gave me uh, charity of night and uh, it's, uh, it's said changed my life. It, uh probably one of my favorite albums of all time. Uh, my wife and I, we love that album. Um, but uh I just wonder, just because of the this podcast series, we're dealing with a lot of violence, conflict, reconciliation, and particularly looking at places where violence has been, um, uh, where religion has been used to kind of justify the use of violence. Um, and, you know, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, he said this, that I quoted most of these podcasts, religion is like fire, like fire, it warms, but it also burns, and we're the guardians of the flame. Um, and it seems to me like you've touched on that. I read in your song, Is It Justice? You were, uh, you know, to, about Jesus, Buddha, uh, you know, Maha- Islam, you know, the, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 even yeah. You, everybody Islam. wants to see justice, everybody wants to see justice done on somebody else. That's right, That's, yeah. yeah, it's uh, which is kind of it's a bit glib, but it's but it, it's addressing that same thing. It's, it's uh, yeah, boy, it's the the rabbinical tradition is so rich with these pithy little sayings mm. that are that just cut right to the the mm. heart of the matter. And um, you know, it's um, if we could just listen to these things and absorb them, I mean, that's mm. as 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 much a part of the human psyche as as the willingness to inflict violence. Mm. Uh, that the the capacity is in us to think past the immediate things, to think, to take a, a broader view. Sometimes that becomes very difficult. I mean, if we're attacked by someone, it's hard to sort of stand above that and kind of watch it happening and explain it to yourself while it's happening. 
you you have to respond either by running away or or fighting back mm. uh, running away at least allows you perhaps a, a bit of breathing space to, to, where you can actually maybe think about it more deeply but uh but it's you know the the only real solution and it's one that i don't think there'll ever be a a finish to this but uh we have to try to head it off we ha you have to you have to address people's grievances and uh and, and incur we have to encourage in each other a willingness to listen and and to um to try to so sort out the problems we have in the most friendly way of man uh, that, that we can manage mm -hmm. and um i you know that's it's a, it, that process will never stop you'll never get to the end where you can say okay we can stop working on this now because it is yeah. it's in our nature to fight we're yeah. you know we're we're both prey and predators by mm. genetics and uh you know there's and the fight or flight thing is strong in us and so um uh, you know how do you how, how do you temper the extremes of that with you know with reason i mean when everything's comfortable we can do it people you know who are comfortable and well fed and materially okay uh, are generally willing to listen to each other, but you know the minute it doesn't take much of a spark to start uh, the wrong kind of mm. spiritual flame, mm. Mm. and it and the fact that people use religion as an excuse. I mean, it is just an excuse. Mm. It doesn't matter what kind of Christian you are. I mean, Jesus and it doesn't care what kind of Christian you are. Mm. Uh, you know, he cares whether you whether you care about him or not. Mm uh it, uh that matters but how how you express that 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 caring and that interest uh it shouldn't make any difference you know i mean okay if you do it if you, if you think that you have to sacrifice babies to honor jesus well maybe somebody has to stop that yeah. uh, but we're not talking about that we're talking about minor differences in belief really you know do who which church leader do we listen to yeah uh and and you know that that kind of dispute and it's 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 really senseless and and it's transparently not about religion it's about tribalism uh with religion as an excuse sometimes the religious leaders in, encourage that and inculcate that in us but uh then those are leaders that we hope uh few people listen to <laughs> but but we know from practice that that that's not always the case yeah um i we're kind of touching for a bit there on your songwriting that focused externally and in places of conflict uh but we we kind of started this interview talking about the um even faith and uh you kind of reference kind of journeys in your own life of kind of not sure about where you stood with faith and where you, you are now, but I wonder if we kind of come back to the faith side, because it's all wrapped up in together. Um, a friend of mine, the friend who gave me the, the first ever uh, album of yours, uh, Charity of Night, Dave Hines, Dave and Jill, Dave uh, said to me, I said to him, well, do you want to ask uh, Bruce a question? So he, he sent me about 10 of them. One of them was to ask you how you spent, how you spent your fall vacation. But uh, we <laughs> I've had a whole year of vacation thanks to COVID, <laughs> yeah, as, yeah. as have we all. Yeah, uh, yeah. So. That's one of his favorite songs. But um, the, the song he, he wrote, uh, the, the, sorry, the song he wrote, the question he asked was, um, do you consider your kind of maybe returning to faith as like a homecoming, a prodigal's return, or an evolution into something different? Um, struck me, you know, we, well, maybe I'll leave it at that and let you kind of, is it a kind of a homecoming or is it an evolution into something more rich, maybe? I think it's both. I think that the, uh, it's a, and it's an unfolding process that, uh, that I also don't really see an end to. Mm -hmm. um, it's, uh, but certainly I feel like the big moves in my life especially with hindsight but once in a while I've, I've sort of caught it on the fly uh, those big moves are, are 
that it's God's finger nudging things this way or that. And uh, finding my way back to a church that that has allowed me to think. I mean, they. I I went to the, the my first conversations with the people at, at at San Francisco Lighthouse. You know, I said I don't know what I believe. I you know. I've I had I had read a book um, by a Canadian clergyman called I forget his name right now, uh, but the book is called The Pagan Christ, mm. and in it he compares the story of Jesus to the story of the Egyptian deity Horus, mm. uh, who who and those stories predate the story of Jesus by you know a couple of thousand or maybe three thousand years, and uh, and Horus is born of a virgin, has twelve followers, is killed comes back to life you know uh and so you 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 realize that the elements of of the story are in the human psyche too right whether i mean whether you believe the story is literally true or not uh i mean it i began to question the reality of jesus the historical reality not the spiritual presence particularly but but uh, i just like reading that book and thinking about things and uh, you know other other aspects of it as well it just had become and, and my distance from any kind of christian community uh, had uh, sort of put me in this very uncertain state uh, so i go back to this church i'm back to well yes i was led back to lighthouse start going there people were totally accepting it's like okay well whatever you know just keep coming we we love you we're glad to have you you know and nobody knew who i was it wasn't like uh oh hey you know coburn's showing up at our church they didn't have a clue and and uh so it was really just this incredibly welcoming atmosphere and uh i thought okay here's <laughs> here's a here's a tribe i could cheerfully join but <laughs> but we don't want to think in terms of tribes so um it's, I mean, the community aspect of it is, is certainly pleasurable, but what counts more is that in, in the repeated acts of worship, I've been led to back to a, a sense of the reality of Jesus mm-hmm. uh, in, a, in a way. I mean, into, through a kind of vision or through uh, just the the focus uh, repeatedly um and i've i've been doing dream work for a long time uh, sort of loosely based on jung's uh stuff and i've i that that has been part of uh one of one of the instruments that god's used to kind of keep me moving where i need to go and so uh, you know it's 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 an unfolding thing. I right now, I feel that my relationship with God is is the thing that matters most in my life, and uh, not not to the exclusion of a lot of other important things, but but it's it, it's number one, and uh, it, that's been true before in my life, but it but it, and it is again. So I'm, I'm kind of grateful for that, and mm. um, it's. I think showing up in the songs as well in the in the newer songs. Hmm. Yeah, um, I'm, it's just so good to hear um, you know your story um, again. In that song I quoted earlier from Child of the Wind, you know, there's roads of the earth, roads of the spirit, the best roads of all are the ones that aren't certain, and it's that's uh, kind of certainty is what I think. A, maybe a lot of people of faith sometimes cling to, um, and it can maybe lead to a bit of fundamentalism, but you've managed to keep this kind of generosity of heart. Um, you've got strong faith, but you're also not, you know, you're not claiming certainty maybe. Is that right? I think. Um, absolutely. I mean, strong faith, I'm not so sure, but I'm not claiming certainty. <laughs> I have some faith and I, and I, I, you know, I would like it to be stronger, but I also think that, the that the absence of it is instructive too and uh uh, that that really for me uh what i long for is is for god to be constantly with me in in my awareness Mm. and 
he's not, you know, he's not because I, uh, my own garbage gets in the way or, or because uh, it's just too easy to, to not think about those things in the moment and depending on the things that are going on around you. Um, and it's easy to get sucked into uh, false beliefs. And I think that's true, whether you have faith or not. I mean, you can, as you, you know, you said, sometimes these things harden into a kind of, uh, like the wall of Jericho, you know, around, around yourself, uh, you know? Yeah. And, and I mean, though that wall has to come down mm. or you have to get through it somehow, uh, and, mm. and, and allow what's outside to come in. Um, because it's, it's a, like any relationship. I mean, there's a, I, again, I'm, I'm very poor at remembering people's names, but there was a, um, a book I read by a rabbi and I believe the book was called God is a verb. Mm. And I, and I think, uh, I, it may be that I can't really remember now it's a long time ago, but it may be that the actual Hebrew way of, of referring to God is a verb. I'm not sure mm. technically, but, but in any case, the, the, the point is God is in motion. Mm and the energy of God is in motion and it's in us and as much as it's in everything else. And, uh, so I, 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 this is in one of the songs somewhere too. See, if I, if we talk long enough, I'll quote myself over and over and over again, but <laughs> the, you know, it's like everything is motion to the motion be true. Yeah. And, and that's, you've got to be, my thumb is getting tired holding the phone here. Yeah. You, you've got to be, um, it, it just be constantly open mm. because God is constantly showing us things mm. and constantly taking us places. Mm. And uh, to be receptive to that means to have us uh, to be tied up in as, in as little uh, prior assumptions as, or as few prior assumptions rather as possible. Mm. Um. Well, you know, I, I would love to talk for, for a long time uh, about your music, but we'll have to, we, I think uh, we should bring it to an end for now. Um, but maybe I'll just ask you in closing just a couple of musical questions. Um, sure. Are you planning, I mean, if the pandemic does come to an end soon, are you planning to go on the road again? Any chance of you coming back to Ireland? Yeah, you know, it's, it's everything's up in the air, of course. But uh, certainly, the intention is to uh, to get out and play shows for people. I mean, that's mm. I, I really miss that, and mm. it's when the songs are their most complete. When mm -hmm. there's that loop between me and the listener, mm. and the song is a vehicle for you know some mm. sort of mutual sharing of space and time. I, that that I, I really miss that. Um, and so, yeah, we'll 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 make another album, hopefully, which will include these new songs, and and we'll, uh, you know, and they'll be touring. Mm. So uh, that's the hope. Yeah. How We're far not... how far afield it will go depends on, you know. Depend, well, I mean, I'm seventy five, almost seventy six. Mm. You know, I'm not sure how much I've got left to give it, but I but right now I feel like I really want to get out there and do it. Mm -hmm. I'd say you've only got about 25 or 30 years to go, you know, so yeah, that's, sounds probably, good to me. that's only about 15 more albums, Bruce. So, you know, get, uh, yeah. So I better uh, get at it. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, uh, I just, uh, my reflection in closing is that it feels like your music, obviously it spans now five decades, uh, but it's as relevant, uh, as it's ever been. Um, and you know I'm, I'm reflecting on again another one of your most well-known songs lovers in a dangerous time uh we sit here 100 years after ireland was partitioned at a time of brexit a time of uh, a week ago there were big riots in belfast and and around the world obviously yeah. this um you know this polarizing moving to the extremes um and it seems like people we need more people like you who can show us how to kick in the darkness till it bleeds daylight. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, well, 
Yeah. I mean, we need to, we need to resist that polarization to, 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 ever, to whatever degree is possible for each of us. That, that's the call right now because it is, it's an evil that's sweeping the world, I think. And uh, it's, it's all ego. It's all uh, playing on, on people's fears. It's, it's, and it's all about power. Uh, and that uh, it's a power that's not the power that God has to offer mm -hmm. or that God will display when he feels like it. Mm -hmm. uh, um, it's, it's, it's a cheap imitation mm. of that political power. Who cares? Who cares? I mean, just run, run the darn country and stay off my back. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but obviously, you know, it, it's not quite that simple. And, and we do have to pay attention because these, there are a lot of things being done in our name as citizens of whatever country we belong to uh, that we can't countenance so you know we just we, but we just have to not get into the us and them attitude any more than we can than, than we can help yeah. well uh, i think we'll, we'll leave it there uh, for this podcast officially but i just want to thank you bruce for your time and uh would love to we'd certainly love to have you over here again um and I know there's a lot of musicians in this area that would love to uh, play with you. And uh, we'd love to, we run a big center here. We'd love to have you here sometime if, if the winds ever uh, blow you over this way again, or if we yeah, can, well, figure, we can figure, we out a way that. To, yeah. figure out a way to make it happen. Sounds good to me. Yeah. So, well, thanks Bruce Coburn. And uh, maybe in some time in the future, we'll get to chat face to face in a different form so yeah we'll hope for that too thank you johnny